Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. You usually launch in. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I do. I know. I do. That pause was too long. I didn't know how to lead into this. I was just staring at you, Uh willing something to come to me, but I got nothing. Well, I mean, I could have come up with something, but you—I didn't know. I should have warned you. You should have warned me that you were going to stare at me. Um, I. I'm looking at the title of this episode, and I have no earthly idea what this is. Uh, I do have to say, though, alpha-gal syndrome sounds like another way of saying, like, boss babe. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) oh, me? (laughs) I'm not hard to work with. I just have alpha-gal syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what—that's when I get— Facebook messages from people I knew in high school who are like, "Hey girl, hey <laughs> girl, like you, you have alpha gal syndrome. You, are you interested in joining my MLM so that you can be your own boss?" Babe? I have I have terminal alpha gal syndrome. I'm chronically addicted to finding opportunity and making the life that I want. Hey girly, remember how I ignored you all through high school and had absolutely nothing to do with you ever? <laughs> well, do you want some cream? <laughs> Join my MLM. Uh, no, it, this has nothing to do with MLMs or boss babes. Um, you requested this. You just, I guess you just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, I guess. You requested this. Okay, what was it? I, I guess you, you're right. You I said, said, what's that thing? Is that thing where people get bitten by ticks and have an allergy to meat? Is that real? That's what you said. Oh, cool. And it's called alpha gal syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it is real. Girl, I, I'm making my own opportunities now. I got bit by a t- <laughs> I got bit by a vicious tick, and now I have terminal alpha-gal syndrome, and I'm going to be making huge stacks of cash until I die. It is not terminal. Well, I'm going to be making huge stacks of cash until I die because it's like terminal alpha-gal syndrome. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, you can't shake it. I can't wait for those Facebook messages. 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 Oof. Um, Okay, so— I think one of the most interesting and difficult parts about, especially like kind of doing what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I practice medicine anyway. I do yeah. that daily. But then we also do a podcast about medical history. And we also have to talk about current medical things that sometimes are fake, right? And it is hard, I think, to both be skeptical enough to like show me the evidence, show me the proof, if something, you know, if you want mm-hmm. me to accept something as scientific fact, I need the evidence to back that up, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, this 
we don't just believe these things. We know what's real. We know what isn't. And then we're figuring out everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's hard is that sometimes really weird stuff is real. Yes. Like our bodies are weird. They're weird. The human experience is weird. Yes. And there are things that on the surface sound made up and aren't. And so if you're going to to look at like, you know, sort of modern alternative medicine Mm -hmm. through the lens of a skeptic, you always have to keep the open mind that sometimes it is true. It is weird. It is weird, but it is true. That's a a really hard line to walk, I think, in science is to both be open-minded but evidence-driven that I— I will, I will keep an open mind until the facts show me that no, this is the answer. Um, and I think this is a good story about that because how in the world did we ever figure out that sometimes when you get bitten by a certain tick, you become allergic to red meat? How so did we wild. ever? Right? Like that's so a wild. It's crazy that we it's were like able a to, house episode. I mean, I know that's cliche, but like it is like a house episode. It is. Um, and sometimes house was right. I know on the, in the reality of the show, he was always right. I will tell you that I'm rewatching House currently, and in the reality of reality, <laughs> there are lots of things that are happening that now I'm like, oh, man, did I not pick up on how ridiculous that was? Maybe you just willingly ignored it just so you could be fun. Was I a doctor the first time we watched House? Probably not, right? Oh, I'd have to check. I don't know when it when it first aired. I mean, this patient has been in the hospital for two weeks, and you're just now getting a complete a complete blood count. Um, Why does it take three doctors to get a TSH? It's a, it's a, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm like saying. Anyway, so this story. Do you story- know how many years? Do you know how many years? It, okay, so how started in 2004, which would have put you. I hadn't uh, graduated med school yet. Okay, so you were like in med I school. I was, no, I hadn't started med school. I started med school in 2005. Throughout the run of. Yes. Of, so I of watched it while I was in med school. Um, I didn't know enough to know how wrong all it of took it was. Me, do you know how long it took me to realize the whole thing was a play on Sherlock Holmes? I'm going to tell you years. I'm going to tell you years. There is literally a character in the first season who is called Moriarty. Yeah. No, I guess that I didn't have the subtitles on or something because I, I didn't know that. And Yeah, years. the guy who shoots house, if you're a fan of house and you didn't know this, the guy who shoots house is listed as Moriarty. Spoilers. House gets shot. He does live though, because there's more. He's actually house, there's more house that gets shot, and it makes him better. Yeah, <laughs> actually, is what happens in the story. That's, it makes it heals him. Listen, I really enjoy house, but I will tell you that a lot of the medicine is not, eh, not totally right. Yeah. Anyway, especially we have, the we have episodes on TV medical shows. By the way, if you go back into the yeah the archives, I'm sure we discussed house at length. So this story isn't very old. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Dr. Thomas Platts Mills, mm-hmm. who is one of the doctors who who figured this out. Um, he wanted to be a doctor since he was nine. Um, he was he. It, it's kind of cool. So his name is Platts Mills because his grandmother. He he went to New Zealand to, on a trip when he was nine to like visit his grandma, and his grandmother was a very uh, prominent like cool physician. And it really excited him to, like, see her in action. And he was like, I want to be a doctor like Grandma. And she had hyphenated her name, Platts Mills. And that is why the Platts Mills has carried on in their family line, which is cool, yeah, right? very cool. It is cool. Yeah, very cool. I'm going to sit over here. Yeah, absolutely. Have we ever t- – we tried to do that, like, yeah, connect our true. names. 
Yeah, they both of us. It. They wouldn't let us at the at the courthouse. No, they, I mean they would let me. Like yeah, I could have been. They wouldn't let me, but I would have had to like pay a fee that we did not have at the time and go to court. And no, to to get it. Justin, changed. it's it's very sexist. Justin would have had to go pay and petition the court to change his name to Smurl McElroy, whereas I could just do it for free right there if I'd wanted to. Yeah. And even if we both wanted to change our name to Smurl, you still would have had to petition the court wow. to change it. Think about that, folks. Yep. Anyway. Sometimes I worry the system is rigged. Yeah. Well, you think? Watch the Barbie movie. I saw Barbie. Okay, <laughs> I get it. Anyway, um, so he went into the field of allergies and uh, prior that to— That sounds like a really bad place for a kid with asthma. <laughs> well, he was <laughs> to a field of allergies. I don't have—I don't believe he has asthma. That was not part of any of the history I read about him. I'm just saying if your parents are like, I'm taking you to the field of allergies, I would be really freaked out. He went out. into the scientific study okay. of allergy, allergies and immunology. Anyway, he had That's prior— what the Wicked Witch tried after the posies. They're like, and now my field of allergies. <laughs> Watch their eyes. Buff up. <laughs> He he had done a lot of research that was important prior to this tick stuff that we're going to get into um, about dust mites and their allergic re- and how we have allergic reactions. Where is the allergen? Figuring out that it was actually in the feces of dust mites and and that it causes a lot of people, specifically with a- with asthma. Actually, they get a lot of issues from this like chronic exposure to this dust mite allergen. Anyway, I know this sounds like, okay, that it's not particularly exciting, but this was really important in helping to understand like the chronic inflammation we might see in the lungs of somebody with this exposure and then how to target like treatments Mm -hmm. to prevent that, right? Mm -hmm. And to prevent lung damage. And so this was all really important stuff that isn't what the episode is about. But I'm giving you some context. Like he was a good, he is a good researcher. He's a good doctor. He figured this stuff out. So anyway, he is working at UVA um, in the early 2000s on a... um, Specifically, why are patients getting this uh, reaction to a certain cancer drug? There was this uh, chemotherapeutic agent, cetuximab, um, which they were using in um, patients with certain kinds of colon cancer and certain kinds of head and neck cancers. And there were some people who had these sort of unpredictable allergic reactions to their first infusion mm-hmm. of the medication. And when patients start having an allergic reaction to something and it's inconsistent, you start trying to figure out like what is it in the medication that is causing the reaction, right? right. Like what the medicine isn't just one one thing. What is in there? What what piece of it is causing this reaction? And what they had uncovered is that there was a certain carbohydrate in the drug called galactose alpha one three galactose. Let's say it one more time. Galactose Alpha 1-3 Galactose. It does absolutely sound like a Marvel villain, I have to say. <laughs> well, it's Alpha Gal is what we're going to call it for okay, short. That's right? easier, yeah. That, this is why we call it Alpha Gal because nobody wants to say all that. So this carbohydrate specifically, some patients seem to be primed to react to. Like they had, um, so in order to have an allergic response to something, you have to be primed to it. We've talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. Like you encounter the thing, your body creates antibodies to it. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you encounter the thing, your body attacks it intensely. Yes. And that's the allergic. And then you get all the symptoms of an allergic response. Yes. Okay. So for some reason, these patients who were having the reaction to this chemotherapeutic drug were primed to react to this carbohydrate. And not everybody was. And so then you start thinking, like, when were they exposed to the carbohydrate the first time, right? 
because they right. had to have had a previous exposure. Yes. And this was this was all part of like trying to figure this out at this point. So he is in the midst of doing all this research to figure out where does this allergic reaction come from? We know that it's this alpha gal, but like why? Quick question. If your kid has a peanut allergy, does this mean that they wouldn't have a reaction the first time they eat peanut butter? Now, let me say there have been like studies have shown in many cases of peanut allergy specifically, and I'm sure this would apply to other things, but peanut allergies where they do a lot of these studies, there are children who seem to be reacting the first time. Like as far as the parents know, this is their first exposure, which doesn't really make sense, right? Like why would that? And we're still trying to figure out like, it was it some occult exposure, something we didn't realize? They, occult exposure? No, not like the not occult with an O. Yeah, like, the occult. Was it breast milk or just some powder of a peanut or something. Like, how did they, like, is there some other, because that's what you expect to happen. So, but I don't want to give you the impression that, like, if your kids never had peanuts before, that that first time you're absolutely safe because there are cases, like many cases, where kids react the first time that seemingly they're exposed to peanut butter or peanuts or whatever. And we're still not sure when that initial sensitization may have happened. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is the way allergies work, but we don't always know about the initial sensitization. So I know. <laughs> I know that that's, that's like the scariest thing, I think, so far about parents. No, all of it's scary. But one of the scariest things was the first time we gave our kids peanut butter and, and who, the second time that we gave them peanut butter. Well, I didn't know that the first time was who cares, right? First times, who cares? Unless they'd secretly gotten some peanuts. You know yeah. how kids are. It's also food allergies are weird. Oh, is that your medical opinion, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Food McElroy? allergies are weird. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this because we're talking about allergies, and so I always think this is important to note, and I, we've talked about this maybe on the show before. Those tests that you can get through the mail and online and stuff for food allergies, don't mm-hmm. do them. Oh, okay. If you think you have an allergy, go talk to your doctor, and they may refer you to a specialist like an allergist to discuss this, but... Don't do those online tests. A lot of them are completely inaccurate, made up, not standardized. They will tell you all kinds of nonsense that may or may not be true. Yeah. Please don't waste your money on those. That is I, that is a big, um, that is a part of medicine that has a lot of fake stuff and a lot of opportunistic individuals trying to make money, mm-hmm. which is to convince you that you have a bunch of food allergies that you you might have or you might not have. They don't know. Their tests suck. So none of it's so don't do that stuff. This is a real food allergy that we're talking about okay. today. <laughs> so anyway, um, this particular carbohydrate, alpha gal, it exists in most mammals outside of a certain group, okay, okay. called catarines. Okay. Within that group are and this is a, a parv order, which is like a subclassification of an order. Okay. You know what? I, you know there's order. Yeah, kingdom. Yeah, you remember all that? King Philip. King Phylum. Kingdom mm-hmm. Phylum. Came over. Came over. Class. Mm-hmm. Order. Mm-hmm. From Great Spain. From Great Spain. Uh, family. Mm-hmm. Genus. Mm-hmm. Species. Got it. Nice. This is like a suborder. Um, so you're just admitting new ones after I there, just did something. Hey, listen, <laughs> I didn't even know how many there were. I started looking into it because it was like, it, this is a parv order. And I was like, where does parv order fall in the... And then I and then I was reading a page about this. There are so many different orders under order. And I'm assuming I'd, this is beyond what I usually do in my doctorate job. So in this parv order is us humans, old world monkeys. 
as as we are as we are known. <laughs> well, they're we called prefer. old world monkeys because there's a lot of scientific debate as to whether like we can call these great apes monkeys. You know, they're yeah. not monkeys, but they are. are but they're not. Us? Are you talking about humans? And us? Well, us and then other old world old world monkeys. Okay, got it. You're not. We don't we're have this alpha gal in us naturally. Okay. Like if you ate our meat, please don't. Please don't. Don't do please that. Don't. But we don't have this. We've been clear on this. Don't yes. Eat us. Don't eat people. Did we need to say that? Okay. We have. This before. is an important distinction because we don't have this in us. Okay. So these researchers, Platts Mills, and then uh, another researcher, Commons, was working with them. They were trying to uncover what exposure prime patients for this reaction to the drug. They thought, was there some sort of fungus they were exposed to or a parasite? Sometimes those things can trigger future allergic reactions. You know, yes. so, stuff looks similar. Your body misinterprets. There you go. Um, and uh, other researchers at the same time were working on this new red meat allergy that they were observing, patients who were having this sort of constellation of allergic symptoms three to six hours after eating certain types of animal products like red meat or pork. And these symptoms were everything from like hives and sneezing, uh, wheezing, shortness of breath, anaphylaxis. So like your typical like upper respiratory and then lung-based allergic symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff that we associate with an allergic response. And yes. also things like stomach pain, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. So like all of that was happening. And you can imagine how hard this was to figure out, right? Because it was happening anywhere from three to six hours after you ate the meat. It's so rant. Like it's got to be so... It's that would be tough to... Because like especially yeah. if you've eaten pork your whole life and then one day you eat pork and six hours later you're in anaphylaxis, you're not going to think it was the pork. Yeah. Right? There's nothing in you that's going to... And and because of the time gap, because it's a delayed oh, allergic wow. response... It's got to be... I mean, it's a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Right. It would be very difficult to link all this together. Um, so, so we're all... So you can see, we're in this moment where, like, everybody's trying to research this stuff and figure it out. And then, as sometimes happens in these stories, this is wild that this is this is how this was partially brought together. A lot of minds went into this, but I want to focus on Platts Mills because this is a cool piece of the story. Something happened specifically to this doctor that helped pull it all together. And I'm going to tell you what that is. What? But first, we've got to go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got at two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. 
get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Throughout history, sirens have captured men's attention, enticed men with their feminine wiles, and fulfilled men's primal needs. The sirens allure uh, persists. They have not. Unless the primal need is I need to be smashed on the rocks. Yeah, sm- smash me. Smash me, mommy. Smash me, mama. I smash me, mommy. <laughs> the sirens allure persists. Why do we do this to ourselves? Strand me, baby. Strand, Strand me, me, baby. <laughs> So yeah, listen to my brother, my brother, and me from Maximum Fun on Mondays. It's just like that. Just like that, but more, it's just like that, but more of it. There's, there's just more of that. The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Diablo Four. Final Fantasy Sixteen. Street Fighter Six. Baldur's Gate Three. Starfield. Spider-Man Two. Master Detective Archives. Raincoat for Nintendo Switch. No, is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge time for video games. You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click. A video game podcast for anyone who likes games. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. He ate bacon for six hours straight. And he was like, it's got to be the bacon. It's the only possibility. While studying. bacon for so long? While studying this uh, allergic response to alpha-gal in the chemotherapeutic agent and then within the milieu of all these patients who are getting these red meat allergies, uh, Dr. Platts Mills gets bitten by a tick. No kidding. Really? And develops an allergy to red meat. No kid. No. He de- yes. That cannot be real. He did. Are you kidding? I, I read 
Listen, I didn't believe it either. I read that initially in a Wikipedia article, and I thought that can't be true. And then I found from uh, 2019, there was an interview in UVA Today, because that's where he worked. Works still, I believe, I think. Or did he re- has he retired yet? I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, there's an interview at UVA. No, he's not. He's not retiring. He works. He works too hard. Um, where he talks about this specifically, like it is an it is a first. It is an interview directly with him um, by Wesley Hester is the author of this article, and he talks about his discovery of this um, allergy, and he says. You know, I'm covered in biopsy scars from doing research on myself, Dr. Thomas Platts Mills. That's a direct quote. That's very, that's very death metal. <laughs> I have to say, that sounds like it needs to be square like this. I'm covered in scars from doing biopsies on myself. <laughs> he broke out in hives after eating. I broke out in hives after lamb. eating lamb. Yep. That's not as good, but yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's, I mean, like, how does this just incredible, just incredible? That's wild. Just I, I know. Perseverate on that for a second. It's okay. incredible. So anyway, this really, and I think that you know a lot of uh, patients will will say this too that when they find a doctor who has been through either the same illness they're going through or like also has some sort of chronic disease that they have to manage on a regular basis, they feel like that those physicians have a better understanding and are better at like listening and hearing out what's happening because they have this personal experience. That's what's so hard though. This story sound, <laughs> this is getting a little bit abstract, but if you're a Sawbones listener, I think you'll be able to grok what I'm laying down here. This feels like one of the made up stories <laughs> that we hear about made up treatments and ailments. You know what I mean? Right. Like I had this mystery thing, no one could diagnose it. And just by the randomest happenstance, I happened to figure out that I got bit by this other thing and I made this connection. And that is like a a foundational text of of snake oil and like yes. alternative therapies and stuff, which is wild. That's and that's what makes some of this so hard to suss out. Um, is that sometimes th- this is this weird stuff is true. I mean, sometimes this stuff happens, like Humanity is vast and strange. We live and in a world of mysteries. Yeah. So anyway, he develops an allergy, the same allergy as these chemo patients have, the same allergy as the red meat eaters. It's an alpha-gal allergy. Um, and a lot of how he kind of pieced all that together, like he experienced it and then proved it through a lot of patient interviews where he had an open mind to like hear this story. Mm-hmm. These patients had these allergic symptoms it happened after they, yes, had you eaten red meat? Yes, when was it? Okay, it was three, six hours, whatever. And then, have you been bitten by a tick? And the patients would, oh, yeah, well, actually, I pulled one off myself at this day or whatever. But, like, again, these are only stories that you would, I mean, most of the time you hear something like that in the clinic or the ER or whatever, and you're like, I don't need to know about every time you got bitten by a tick or, you know, that you fell off your bike or whatever. Like, I mean, you you know, you kind of get that sort of... um cynicism in medicine, like, just tell me what's going on. You know, usually it's simple, but sometimes it's this complex. These patients really did get bitten by a tick and then at some point ate meat and had an allergic reaction and it was all connected and they didn't know. Um, Now, as often happens, I think it's important to say, like, while 
Dr. Thomas Platzmills was figuring all this out with the researchers in his lab and all the patients he was interviewing and all the work that was being done stateside, there were similarly, there was a physician or there was a researcher in Sydney, Australia, who was doing a lot of the same work. Cheryl Van Noonan, uh, an immunologist who works mainly in allergies, was working in an area of Sydney where there are a lot of ticks, like just an area where I don't know. I don't know where, I don't know how, like we live in an area where there are a lot of ticks. I feel like everywhere. You just got one off me like two days ago and we were waiting at the doctor's office, remember? I, we were literally sitting in an exam room and I looked over on Justin's arm and thought, that freckle looks new. And then I pulled it off of him and it was a tick. Um, anyway, uh, when, so th- this researcher, Cheryl Van Noonan, had um, 25 patients in this area all report, hey, we have allergies to red meat. And you have to imagine like some of this, like we are living in an age at this point, it's 2007. So we have the internet. People mm-hmm. are finding things out quickly. Um, we also think we have red meat allergies because of tick bites. And so she actually was studying why was this happening? Why were we having all of these, all of a sudden these tick bites and mm-hmm. what was going on and this red meat allergy? Because it was kind of a new thing in yes. that area. And it, it's really interesting. Um, there had been... Uh, as of 2003, this part of Australia had started a fox baiting program. Oh, okay. Um, because foxes had decimated the local bandicoot population. Oh, no. Yes. And so as they started this fox baiting program to, like, allow their allow the bandicoots to live, <laughs> basically, like fewer foxes, more bandicoots, um, as more bandicoots— like were in the area and not being killed by foxes, uh, there was a rise in ticks because ticks like bandicoots. Ooh, I didn't know that. So this was like an unintended consequence of save the bandicoot, except for the bandicoot carries a lot of ticks. This is, this and is so a layer of the crash more, bandicoot never explored. Exactly. I mean, this is never part of it. The, bandi- the crash bandicoot is covered in ticks. <laughs> <laughs> At all okay. times. That is... The least surprising thing I have learned <laughs> I, I, on and this you, show. I mean, yeah, of course close, he is, obviously. You if know you crash. get close to Crash Bandicoot, you will also be covered in ticks, and then maybe those ticks will transfer this allergy to you. <laughs> like Crash isn't dirty enough. Now he's got this other stuff to worry about. So she published a paper explaining this link and, like, citing the fact that, like, this was a good place to study this because Australia, and I think this this still holds true to this day, although a lot of what I was reading was in the last, like, was about two years old, so not terribly old, but Australia seems to have the highest concentration of this specific syndrome, of this allergic reaction to meat from a tick bite anywhere in the world. So so she was publishing this and, like, directly linking it to the increase in ticks Mm -hmm. from the bandicoots and the red meat allergies, and these patients had the alpha-gal. And this, obviously, you know, we we see this a lot in science, like two different places, same research going on Mm -hmm. because we're seeing, you know— yeah. They weren't necessarily, it wasn't who got there first. They were both doing it at the same time kind of thing. Um, also, uh, I think this is interesting. She made a freeze spray that a you could like, spray. that you could imme- like spray on a tick if it was on you and kill it instantly. Whoa. Because based on the idea, and this is always something that we talk about, like how to remove a tick. Because mm-hmm. if you squeeze the body of the tick as you're removing it, you're just basically squirting all the tick juice into you. <laughs> And so there's always been this thought, like, we need to be careful. Like, that's why they t- they say to, like, use the tweezers, grab the head and pull by the head. Mm-hmm. Don't grab the big. 
especially if like the tick is engorged, then oh, it's yeah. a you know, then it's a big fat tick body and it, it's just like a little Yeah. Just, yeah, I yeah. Gotcha. So I don't gotcha. so like grab use tweezers, grab the head, pull that way. Okay. Is always how they tell you to get them out. And what she was saying is actually there's some evidence that if you kill the tick first and then pull it off, it's better. Like you're going to avoid whatever's in the tick getting inside you. And so this free spray, you just instantly kill the tick and then remove it. So that's out there. You can buy that. That's a product that exists Great. if you want tick free spray. <laughs> Man, I hate ticks. I hate ticks so much. Um if you're curious, like, what exactly is happening, I don't I don't know if I've elucidated the pathway. The tick bites a mammal that has this carbohydrate, so some other mammal, not human. And then it gets alpha-gal in it, and then it bites you, human, and injects this alpha-gal into you. Mm-hmm. Your body sees this invader mm-hmm. and sends a bunch of antibodies to it. Mm-hmm. The IgE antibodies, if you're curious. A lot of allergies are mediated this way. And so you create this antibody, antibody memory, right? Now your body remembers, hey, if you see that alpha-gal again, we hate that. We don't like it. It's an invader. Yeah, We've got all these soldiers ready to attack it. And so then you eat the red meat that has the alpha-gal in it. Your body goes, oh, it's back. And you get this allergic response. Mm. So There you go. There you go. Um, and again, you can see how hard this would be to piece together because of all the time lapses in there and about the fact that you probably have been eating meat most of your life and uh, never had a problem. Never had no problems. Right. The main tick that can carry this is the Lone Star tick. There are some chiggers that can, but like where a lot of these cases are getting linked to this Lone Star tick. There are some other ticks that can do this, but this seems to be the one that is the biggest culprit. Um, we have seen alpha-gal in 17 countries. Um and all six continents where there are humans and ticks, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the United States and Australia seem to be the most effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, so far it looks like Australia has the highest, although we are definitely seeing a rise in the central and southern U.S. Okay. Um, uh, in the in the southern area, allergy rates are 32% higher than everywhere else. Wow. Yes. So definitely if you have the Lone Star tick in your area, this is something that could happen. Um, which is good to be aware of. Um, But we don't really know the exact, this isn't like a reportable illness, you know? Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily keep track of exactly how many cases of alpha-gal there are. There Mm -hmm. are some illnesses that are reportable. So like if I diagnose HIV or syphilis or something like that, I have to report that. Like, well, I don't do it. The lab does it. I don't don't personally do it. Um, But not all illnesses are obviously reportable. Every time I diagnose somebody with uh, diabetes, nobody reports that. Right, right. So this is this is not a reportable illness. So how many people are walking around with alpha-gal allergy? We don't know exactly. Um, we know that anywhere that there are mammals that have alpha-gal, ticks, mm-hmm. and humans, this is obviously possible. Um, the animals can be cows, pigs, lambs, rabbits, buffaloes, bison, kangaroos. There are lots of animals that obviously have this that might get a tick bite and then yeah. you got to think about things that have animal products like gelatin oh. um, so sometimes you could get these reactions to gummies or to jello or marshmallows or so to so what do I do um, there are certain tattoo inks that oh, sometimes there have been some weird cases of people who got like um, I think there was one case report of somebody who got a pig valve like sometimes we'll replace a heart valve sure, in a human yeah. with a pig heart valve and that caused this reaction because it's from a pig and anyway 
So you got to be careful. And there are certain um, like medications and things that sometimes can contain these things. So my point is people who have been diagnosed with this allergy need to always inform, you know, any sort of healthcare provider you ever get in contact with, you need to make sure you tell them that you have this allergy because while it is unlikely that your doctor is going to prescribe you a steak, yeah, <laughs> they may prescribe you something else that, you know, that could have that. And so it's it's always good to make sure that's part of your medical history. Um, it takes a long time historically to figure this out. Like patients took years to get diagnosed with this. Yeah, it's so random, yeah. Yeah, and now, I mean, as awareness has increased and our understanding is more, and also like you can imagine there were a lot of people who first heard this and were like, that's not real. So. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, hopefully that diagnosis time will get shorter. Uh and, it, and it's just a blood test, by the way. That's how we diagnose it. Wow. Yeah, it's a blood test that they can order. Again, you will see like online food allergy tests to oh. tell you like, are you really allergic to red meat? Don't do that. Don't do that. Food allergy tests are difficult, especially like skin tests. We don't do them typically, but there are blood tests for it. And so, but talk to a medical provider. Don't buy this stuff. That online stuff makes me so mad because a lot of those tests are they're just not standardized and you the information you're getting, it's bad science, it's bad data, it's junk. There you go. Go to a healthcare professional. Yes. Um there are, by the way, they've genetically engineered pigs that don't have alpha gal in them now. Oh really? Yeah. So there are certain pigs that even if you have this allergy, uh what are they called? Gal safe. Gal safe. That's pigs. the trademark name. That sounds like a <laughs> it sounds like a line of Pig products just for girls. They're gal safe. <laughs> gal safe pigs. We died at we died at pink. And now it's gal safe. Your uh, little your little princesses are gonna love this gal safe bacon. So and they're working on like how can we cleanse all of these different like medications and everything from any of these products so that we don't have to worry about, you know, about the alpha gal issue. I, on a side note, as I was researching this, there is something called um pork cat syndrome. Gross. Sounds bad. <laughs> Which is like a cross-reactivity in an allergy to pork and to cat dander, which is different. This is not the same. Pork oh cat God. syndrome is not the same as alpha-gal syndrome, but yeah. um, I just like that name. I, that's the only reason I'm throwing it out there. There is something called pork cat syndrome that is real and weird. Um, anyway, uh, the, uh, the, the practical thing that you should take home from this is if you have been bitten by a tick, if you are observing this, and this should be, I mean, you should be able to, like, having that in your mind, if you have these symptoms and you ate a pork roast three or six hours ago, it's something to consider. Please mm -hmm. go see a medical professional to discuss it and ask the right questions. Um, it can get misdiagnosed as just, like, irritable bowel syndrome or something like that, when actually it's a very specific, you know, allergy you have to something that can be avoided then, right? Or you can eat the gal-safe pigs instead if you need to. And there are other animals that you can't eat that, that are okay. Mm -hmm. um, I liked one quote from uh, our, our main um, allergist in this story, Dr. Platts Mills, that I thought was really important for what we do since we do take a skeptical lens to a lot of things. Um, he said that the thing that has driven my career has been willing to go off the deep end and be totally unafraid of pushing an idea that other people don't believe. Too many people are afraid of getting involved in an idea that's too far away from perceived normality. And that's a, man, that's a, it's a tricky line to walk, but it's important that you let the science lead you. Keep an open mind and let the science lead you. And now often the things we talk about on this show, science has led us 
very far away from. We know these things aren't real. We know that a lot of the stuff you'll see on Goop is not evidence-based, right? We know that. We have the evidence. But until you've proven something, you've got to allow yourself to ask that question. Could that tick bite be linked to an allergy to red meat? The answer was yes. And if he hadn't had an open mind enough to ask the question, then we would never have figured this out. So, Uh, Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, Thanks to taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you for listening. That's going to do it for us for this episode. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.